Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, another edition of the Wrestling Perspective Podcast, episode 391. Uh, Mechum Wolf, 420, I believe, is coming on. I'm really excited about him. NWA uh, coming on to promote, promote their big show October 28th. Super excited about that. But before that, let's get to some uh, fan emails. Remember, if you look down at the little scrolly thing below, that's where you can get the email address. You can get Lars's name at the gram. Super hipster over here. Look at that. But uh, our email address, wrestling perspective podcast at gmail.com. Get your questions, hot takes, blah, blah, blah in. Let's get to as many as we can before we start going. Jim from Minnesota wants to know. I've seen Rancid four different times, and all the times I've seen them, I know Lars doing wrestling moves on stage is off brand for the band, if that's the case for the four, four shows I've seen. But how hard is it for you not to get into a wrestling character when you're on stage? I am a wrestling character when I'm on stage. <laughs> um, it's funny because our drummer goes, Lars, you're not a punk rocker. You're a pro wrestler trapped in a punk, punk rocker's body. But in all honesty, I feel like I, because I, you know, I do most of the talking and communicating to the crowd. So... I think of the promos that I loved as a child and how they connected with me. And I try to bring the inflections of what pro wrestlers do. And I think it's a natural thing for me to do anyways, because I feel like I am a very personable person, but um, you know, I do, I, sometimes I do a little Sabu sometimes, you know, I'll do, I'll do a, when, you know, fall back down, we have a Ric Flair. Woo. So and I always go, woo, you know, like how we, you know, so I'll, you know, I'll give little things away, you know, so people who know, know. Okay. Uh, Kit Kat in AEW, Jay Cargill seems like she was on a different level, even though she was still green in the ring. In WWE, from the little bit I've seen from her, I'm a little bit worried that although her physique and her looks will translate, her greenness in the ring won't and it may bring down her value with the WWE high standards of matches. What do you guys think? Uh, I, let me, can I go first? Yeah. The WWE have already presented her as a superstar, which was more than AEW could do in two years. And she hasn't stepped foot in a fucking ring yet. So let's just for, you know, for, for the sake of argument, She's probably not going to be let in a ring. Now she's at a real training facility where she's probably busting her ass. I don't think she knew all that. I mean, she didn't even know how to, to, you know, hit somebody with a chair. They just said, go hit that person with a chair. And she's like, I've never done that before. And then, 
you know, our good friend of the show, Mr. Phil CM Punk showed her how to hit somebody with a chair. It's like, oh, you choke up on it and you go do it. So it's like, you're coming from, you know, a very indie rific kind of promotion, which is, that's kind of what it's, 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 uh, it's draw is right. Mm-hmm. Now you're, now you're kind of stepping up the ranks. I don't think they're going to let her in the ring until she has some sort of idea what she's doing. I mean, I just don't think that would be WWE. So as far as her being green, I mean, they said the same shit about Kurt Angle. And this is their chance to build the female version of Brock Lesnar, right? I feel like they dropped the ball with Ronda, where Ronda had everything she could do too big that be that next big thing. But then they overused her on regular TV. They put her in tag team matches all the time on TV. And to me, it lessened her value, where if they would have just kept her a pay-per-view draw and a little bit limited on TV, she could have been the female you know, Brock Lesnar s character where you're kind of doing that with Jade now where you're not putting her in a ring. You're giving everybody a little glimpse of her here and there. We all know who she is. And if they keep doing that for four months and build up, I think they're golden. Yeah, I definitely don't think they're going to fail with her. I mean, like I said, they've already presented her like she's somebody. And, you know, it's it's insane how they're how well they've already done it. it. it's the it's the ultimate you know smash that shit in somebody's face like this is how you actually do it so take note you know what i mean i agree paul m with the wwe running out of valid hall valid hall of famers do you think michael cole is a surefire hall of famer michael cole well maybe because he's been there uh you know i never was really a fan of his work i always thought thought he was more uh but he's been there. He's been a constant. I will say this. I For the longest time, I kind of said what you said. Like, he's been there long enough, maybe tender-wise, you know, sure. But our friend Petey Williams kind of corrected me on something and made me look at it at a different angle of, you know, maybe not for us, but for the people 10 years younger than us, Michael Cole is the voice of their generation. That's the only voice that they know. And for us, though, we've had, you know, the JR <laughs> and we've had Jerry Lawler and we've had, you know, WCW guys. We we were spoiled on voices. But for those guys younger than us, Michael Cole is the only voice of the WWE that they may have known. And we remember him getting pie faced by The Rock as a, you know, sideline kind of reporter role. So I guess from that aspect of of looking at it from a younger generation, maybe he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's debatable. I would put uh, a few other guys in there before him, but, uh, you know, I don't know. You look at everybody who's come and go, gone next to next to Michael Cole, though. I, do, I agree. I agree. Like, look at No one has kept his job longer. Yep. So maybe I don't I don't know if he's I don't know if he's good or bad, but I'm not a big fan of their announced teams currently. Right. Um, I, I just am not like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Corey Graves is the most in touch. Uh, I go back and forth on Corey, though. Well, I feel like he's the most t- in touch as far as like culturally mm-hmm. with. with uh, Pop culture and stuff his references well, yeah his references and and even his uh references that might leave somebody in the dust um i think he's got a good handle on that um i do think uh yeah i mean michael cole maybe he deserve he deserves a, a a place maybe we're like the old guys now where you you know how uh when we were younger and we're like you know uh that Dan Marino and Joe Montana are awesome. And then our parents were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't don't forget about well, you know Dan Fouts. Well, no, I understand. Well, fuck Dan Fouts and the <laughs> charters. They can blow me. But uh, what about is Joey Styles in the fucking WWE Hall of Fame? No. And once again, that's well, a guy that should well, have. Right there, he should be in. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on. Albert from St. Louis. Where would you put Judgment Day? Uh, if you had to create a list of the greatest factions ever bottom, <laughs> I mean, they had potential, but you know, WWE will not never let those guys be the biggest faction above the bloodline, whether they deserve it or not. Well, I think they will, they'll give them their opportunity. I just think that there's 
in every see the thing with factions the great ones anyways every single person in that faction's a star i would say rhea ripley outshines all three of those guys put together mm-hmm. so and i that you know she's like the rick flair of the four horsemen but you couldn't take away anything from arn Oli, tolly lex barry i mean paul romo <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I mean, Dominic is great, but people, I mean, he's not even given an opportunity because as soon as he opens his mouth, they boom. And it's like, is that going to get old? You know. I mean, they did that with Vicky Guerrero and that worked pretty well for her though. Yeah, but she also was able to combat that with, right? you know, so. Uh, Beth from Albuquerque wants to know, I was recently thinking about the Chris Benoit incident, not so much the incident itself, but WWE's reaction by it, by reaction to it, by pulling all the matches off pay-per-views in the network and then eventually adding them back in. How do you feel more about that kind of situation than, than what actually happened? It's hard because I think they're very strongly linked together. You know, it's, it's almost it's it's that's a tough question i haven't even you know it's so funny because i have not legit i mean when we talk about the top 10 best wrestlers like chris benoit has come so far out of my memory because of what he did as a father you know what i mean like i still can't think of him as it's hard it's super hard he was the most he was my favorite wrestler for years for years and uh you know it's just it's hard it's hard that that's one of those things where i feel like what he did in real life transcended the wrestling business right you know so i i i i have just recently been able to be have a tv on and like i have old comps or whatever and then there's a chris benoit match sit through it I, you know I, I, I ask this question all the time, right? Can Whether it's a heinous act or someone's political view, whether you agree with them or not, can you separate that stuff from the artist? Yes, you can. But I feel like when you murder your child and you're... Well, wife, yeah, but... That's when it's like, that's a little hard. It's kind of like if somebody's a pedophile. It's like it's hard to separate... For me as a father, it's it's just tough. I mean, I think it's subjective, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, say pedophilia is okay. And it's like those people, and if we if I was ever in the same room with them, I would legitimately stab them. Right. I would literally go find a knife and stab them and just say, You're a fucking moron. And I and you should be off the face of the earth, right? So <laughs> But it's but then again, it's it's crazy, man. It's it's crazy. I don't. It's that's a that's a hard question to to, to honestly answer because I can't separate. I I don't know the last time I've actually watched a Benoit. Like I'll go back and watch an old pay per view, and when the match comes on, maybe I'll watch it. I won't pay attention to it. I won't look at it as the same. Like oh man, those chops. I, I don't know if that's a cop-out answer, but that's just kind of how I watch. I almost watch it like I'll go play on my phone. Occasionally I'll look up or I'll be like, oh, you know, Jericho versus Benoit, WrestleMania or whatever. I'll, I may watch it for the other guy. Hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I get, I get that. But like I said, it's just up until recently where I've been able to leave a match on. <laughs> I agree. And uh, let's get one more question in and then uh, I guess we'll call it a day and move on to our guest. Um, Michael Lee says, uh, Tony Khan has to be an embarrassment, not only the AEW, but the wrestling business in general, mainly bitching about losing to NXT on Tuesday night since a C show had some major names on that show. What tactics will Tony Khan use now to compete against Raw SmackDown for one night? for each show maybe have mjf put his championship belt on he gargled it up there not my fault guys um on the line for an episode of dynamite or collision the fact that aew is losing to nxt and all nxt had to do was put some old guys on shows that aew is not a legitimate competitor hmm well go ahead what were you gonna say i think 
from what he was saying, I kind of agree. When your A show can barely compete against someone's C show, and all that C show had to do was throw uh, The Undertaker and Sinon just to say, dude, you can't run with us. You can only run with, with us if we let you. I mean, I well, think... But, but that's the thing. I, I You know, if I... I got to put myself in his shoes, right? And I would... But I don't think that's the thing. I don't go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you didn't. Cause it's a, like, I'm kind of working through it in my head where, you know, you're also talking about a brand that's been around what, 10 years longer. Right. You know, beautiful, by the way, um, bam, bam, making a second. No, this is a first appearance. You showed me that off the air last episode, but, yes. um, I mean, it's also apples and oranges, right? I mean, sure, it's it's an A show versus a C show, but your A show has only been around for four years. That C show has been around for 10 or 12 years. I don't know. I don't think it's really a matter of A and C and, you know, this like, you know, that kind of talk. I don't think – I don't see NXT as a C show. I see NXT as like a different – programming uh a different source of entertainment um i i forget at times that it's part of the wwe because i feel like it's got its own identity um i feel like it's one of those places if you're like me you know i like watching rookies right i like watching to see who's coming up you know uh nxt is also the place where you know i saw timothy thatcher not for the first love, time or, or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Like, well, he'll, he'll be a guest at some point. So my, and I, that's why it came to mind. But my point is, is that's like, it's apples and oranges. I think, I don't think, you know, AEW has their own problems. They can't put people in seats. That's what I would be addressing. I'd be addressing, well, why can't we do this? Because we burn out these towns because we go to them way too often. We fire our biggest star, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're doing things, they, they're not, uh, it's hard, you know, it's, it's, it's full just judgment and my, uh, I want to see AEW succeed. I just don't necessarily know if, if they're going to, they, I feel like they have the talent. The problem is, is that they don't have the talent doesn't obviously listen to the produ- producers because right. if they did. Or I would say the majority of them don't. I mean, you know, there's obviously, you know, uh, Peg Hanger Page, you know, like he's obviously gone and said that he doesn't listen to anybody. It's funny because here's a school teacher by trade who doesn't listen to anybody. It's like you must have been a terrible teacher then. You know what I mean? Like, but my point is, is that like, I feel like it's the, the inmates run that asylum and they're all getting paid very nicely. And why would they, what, what's, what, where is the, where's the motivation to compete? Well, you know, here's the problem. Doesn't it always, and we go back to this and it's almost getting tiring WCW. It's the same exact script we saw with WCW where the inmates. Ran, yeah, go ahead. The inmates ran the asylum and then people were overpaid or, you know, the Kevin Nash story where, you know, they thought they were going to W or WWF. So they start throwing more money at them and they were not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden they take it in and then this guy has a book, then this buddy has a book. It's just, it's the same story over and over and over again. I, I don't know how this ends. Maybe it's different ending because someone has limitless pockets, but. I think that I don't know if it will end, but I will say it's going to have right now. They can't put more than a couple thousand people in an arena, 17,000, right? They just can't. Um, Their ratings are, are, you know, if you even go by that collision is tanked. Um, Rampage is not what it once was. Uh, dynamite is their sort of like their Monday night raw. Right. So that's just been sort of consistent, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I thought that maybe the edge bringing edge in there would spike it, but it really didn't do anything. I felt bad for edge because, you know, when he comes out, you know, to that arena and he goes to 
the right side of the arena and there's literally nobody there for him to do his thing to, you know? Right. So I feel like they got more problems than trying to compete. So, and I think that the AEW fan who's just, you know, AEW all the way, ride or die. I don't know. I don't, I just don't think that there's that many of them. I agree. All right. So just hardline that way. All right. So when we come back, we'll have uh, Mecha Wolf 450 coming on. We're excited. NWA talent. Dude, this guy has done everything. He's a rock star, like bona fide. If you've seen the video of him doing uh, his AAA, Triple Mania, oh, man, a few months ago. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody play a song and then run into the ring and wrestle. I cannot wait to talk to him about that. Uh, wrestling Perspective, don't forget, Wrestling Perspective podcast at gmail.com. Send your emails. I was noticing our colors are like Chris Jericho's new Barney doll. Oh, I, by the way, I had the color set up before Chris Jericho's doll. So just so you know, we're not ripping them off yet. Don't come after us with your copyright infringements, Jericho. Stay away. But um, yes, and don't forget, follow Lars on the gram right below his name. It'll be there all show long, just in case you're watching. And you're like, what's his gram name? It's right below. Just look, watch. Or if you're listening on any of the podcasts, then go to YouTube, Wrestling Perspective Podcast, subscribe. We'll love you forever. Trust us. I mean, I already do. So uh, when we come back, Mecha Wolf 450. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Wrestling Perspective, episode 390, 391, Mecha Wolf 450. Uh, I got to say, uh, I instantly became a fan of yours, and I think a lot of people did at Triple Mania. It was me, Petey Williams, sitting at a bar watching it. We were su- super impressed. We're like, who's this guy playing on stage? We th- At first, we thought it was a break, right? And then all of a sudden, you go out to the ring, and we're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He's like, like this might be like the third time I've ever watched a triple media in my life. And I'm blown away by it. And I guess Lars and me, uh, at least my first question was after that moment, how much did you see your fan base or your internet presence grow? Um, thank you for having me, by the way, it was like a, a master plan that I had the triple mania week. We released a single on Wednesday, we played the show, I believe, the Friday before Triple Mania because I have a band as well. So we played that single with my band the first time we played it live, the night before Triple Mania. And then Conan is crazy enough to let me get away with whatever crazy idea I have. And he let me do this. So I'm like, yes, they let me get away with this. So it, it I saw significant growth in the following of not just my band, but also my most my my Mecca Wolf social media as well, because a lot of people have not seen anybody do that. You know, I know Jericho did it a little bit later. You know, when they wrestled in, in London, but that was the first time that someone did that in Mexico. You know, because usually rappers do it. You know, and I wanted to just be like, you know what? If, if we're gonna play this song, it has to be the week it comes out. And we're going to do it live, and I'll do it right before I go to the ring. And I was so blown out before I even got to wrestle because I'm, you know, I'm, like, going crazy and stuff. And it, it, it was really cool. It was really cool. And, and yes, I did see a, a big growth. Um, not, not huge, like, huge numbers, but I did see a significant growth in, in numbers for the band and also my social media. Well, one of the things I will say that of all the times that I've maybe seen something like this happen – Yours has by far been the best because there was no lip syncing. There was no tracks. There was just you, a microphone. And then not only that, then you go to the ring. It's like, and then you have a match. So it's like, you know, I can't say the same for anybody else. I can always tell when people are running tracks. I can always tell when people are lip syncing. So kudos to you, my man. My my question, I guess, is to you. So, so you got the adrenaline, right? You just did this thing right here. Is it hard for you now to switch on? Oh, shit. Now I got to go do this. You know, my thing is always as soon as I come out of the curtain, whether I'm going to play with the band or I'm going to wrestle, I, I'm always 100% turned on, like 100% turned on. I've had 
you know, my mother passed away right before I wrestled Chris Hero for the first time in my career 10 years ago. And then I had to wrestle that whole weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then fly to Puerto Rico, which is where I'm from, and then be able to see my mom at, you know, her funeral. So all of this stuff is happening in your life, and there's all this crazy stuff. But when you're out there, you have to be turned on 100% because there's somebody out there in the crowd that is going to be inspired by you. There's somebody in the crowd that's going to be, man, I want to be the next Nekowolf. I want to be the next Lars. You know, I want to be the, this, the next Dennis. You know, I want to be these guys. Like, there's people that want to be just like us. And when we're not on, when we're not turned on to 100%, they could tell. So I always make sure that no matter what I'm doing, so like five people, 20 people, 100 people, 13,000 people like in Triple Mania, I'm always right there turned on 100%. I feel bad for the kid who wants to be the next Dennis. I'll be honest. I'm Dennis, and I don't want to be the next Dennis. Hey, man. You're doing your thing, and somebody out there wants to be just like you. Bro. Aim higher, guys. <laughs> aim, aim higher. Yeah. So trust me. It's easy to become me. Get divorced twice. Give away half your stuff a few times. You're halfway there. This is a therapy podcast. <laughs> Psychotherapy podcast. I, I like the, uh, the the therapy perspective. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm going to be crying soon. This will be our Oprah moment. But um, I got I got to get back and talk about your style versus the NWA style. And yeah. on paper, it seems like a relationship that shouldn't work out together. If if you really think about this, right? NWA, especially when they did their reboot and Billy took over, they were like, no off the top ropes, no flippy stuff. We're going to keep it old school wrestling. Now, obviously, over the years, they relaxed off of this. They brought in a lot of guys, and you're one of them, tag team champs and all this other great stuff. But when when they're coming to you, do you look and go, well, not so much the size or NWA itself, but like the product and how you would fit in? Was there any apprehension? Well, at first, it was interesting because I've been friends with Billy for like over a decade. When he had Resistance Pro in Chicago, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago boy because I moved from Puerto Rico to Chicago and I lived there for seven years. So I, I, I always tell people that that's the city that built me and made me into a man. So I met him way back then. So when he had the NWA and I had the chance to come, I was like, hell yeah, of course I'm going to come. And if I get to do it with my partner, Bestia, even better, you know, because we wanted to bring something different. And at the time, there was no tag team division. And every time we would wrestle, the agents will go, just tone it down. Great match, but just tone it down a little bit. Next month, same thing. Another match, tone it down. It was awesome, but tone it down. So it took a while, not to just um, necessarily dumb it down, but it took a while to adapt to the NWA style within the confines of the Lucha Libre style that we bring to the company. Um, and also without taking away from who we are, you know what I mean? Like it's promos and that's why we're there, you know, to be different. So why else will we be here, you know? So it was all, it, it took a few, took a few, it took a little bit, but once we found that sweet spot, it, that in between NWA style, La Rebellion style, Mexico Lucha Libre style, we were like, okay, now we're good. And that's when they, basically when they stopped telling us tone it down, that's when we knew okay, we're good. We're right in where we need to be in that sweet spot. But, you know, it took a while. It took a while, especially because both my partner and myself, we come from, you know, a Lucha Libre background here in Mexico. We could do whatever the hell we want. You know, they just tell you, just go crazy, you know, and everybody's just trying to one-up each other every match. You know, in the NWA, we're telling stories. We're, we're doing something. We're all, I always say we're all, you know, in a Viking ship, kind of like rowing towards the same destination and i think that's cool well you know one of the things that maybe i mean when i first kind of clocked who you were you were doing some stuff down in puerto rico and you were doing you know in some pretty legendary promotions down there mm -hmm. now would you say the puerto rican style for you was that an easy transition um from how you learned into getting into those rings um it was because to me it was really 
almost like second nature because in Puerto Rico, they train you to learn television right off the bat. You know, when I was there, I was with Savio Vega. He was my first boss. So Savio was like making us and having us cut promos so many times. So we got it just right. And back then I could, I couldn't cut a promo to, to save my life, you know, and he was honest. Also, since I, I've been doing this since I was 15 years old, so since I was 15 years old, I've been working on television. So I know where the hard cam is, whether I'm in Japan, whether I'm in Mexico, whether I'm in Puerto Rico. But thanks to Puerto Rico and thanks to Carlos Colon, Sabio Vega, Ray Gonzalez, Carlito Caribbean Cool, Eddie Colon, and all those people that taught me how to work, I was able to come to America and go to Mexico and adapt to those styles. And not this is not completely just that, but be able to just absorb and learn from that and come up with your own style as well, you know, because that's how, because I went to Japan and I moved to Japan and I lived there, lived at a dojo, learned the style there, moved to Mexico, learned the style in Mexico, respected the culture. Now I live in Mexico. So to me, it was very important to let everybody know that I did come from Puerto Rico. And if it wasn't for those roots, and that, you know, what was kind of programmed into my mind with Carlos Cohen and Sabio was always to put the crowd first, no matter where you're at, and learn how to wrestle at those places that you're going. And part of that is studying and learning how those crowds work. Because we worked in Puerto Rico, did not work in America, did not work in Mexico, and did not work in Japan. It's different styles, right? It's different kinds of music, right? For different kinds of crowds. So thanks to Savio and Carlos teaching me and kind of like, you know, Terminator reprogrammed the ship and then send you out there to the world to be like, okay, dude, if you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. But if you got it, you'll be able to prove that you got it anywhere. Mm. I was a big part of that, you know. Well, usually we ask the the version of this question where it's like, do you think the style you learn will translate here in the States or whatever company you're with X, Y, and Z, but let me flip it. And now that you're learning the NWA style, NWA TV, NWA promos, do you think that style would translate to, you know, Puerto Rico, Mexico? In Puerto Rico, they will eat that up because, you know, dude, like, Puerto Rico is based on a good, like good wrestling over there is based on a great promo, another great promo from your opponent. And then by the time you guys go to the ring, it's like the Rock and Hogan, dude. By the time they were out there, all I remember, you know, all most people remember, is just that stare down that they had in the middle of the ring. They're looking side to side. And that's how Puerto Rican wrestling is, dude. You give them a good story, you give them a good promo, just like the NWA. That's why I'm like so excited about the territory system coming back into the NWA because there is a possibility of having NWA Puerto Rico, and I know people will eat that up. So you know the possibilities are endless, and I completely think I don't think it will work as well as in Mexico because Mexico is they they're desperate. They just they, you can't put a hold in Mexico. You know, if you put a hold, it's for someone to tap right away. So, like, you know, I don't think it'll translate the same in Mexico. But in Puerto Rico, 100%. Well, Puerto Rico's obviously, when I was growing up, it was known for the blood and guts. And then, you know, it was very physical. And it was one of those places where I think that, like, the men's men went to wrestle. Yeah, see, they're just okay. Your zits okay. Come on. Bitches. <laughs> Thanks to Carlos Colon, because he's like, champ, tonight, I need good blood. And I'm like, okay, dude, like, here we go. <laughs> I like they leaned in for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They love there. They love blood and guts. That's that's what they love. Like, you could have Lars the whole match where he's just punch and kick, and they'll be like, this is the match of the year. But everything that, that, that went into it, like the promo, the storylines going into it. Like, I remember one time, um, they did this thing where like Sabio Vega stabbed Invader with a fork in the chest. And that was like one of the big storylines. Like he beat him up and then they took him in, in an ambulance and he brought him down from the ambulance and stabbed him in the chest with a fork, you know? And everybody's like, holy crap, dude. You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. And then they had the next match sold out, you know? Like they love that stuff, blood and guts. And I feel like in a way that simple style of wrestling 
could work in a lot of places, you know, but we have overcomplicated wrestling now. So. <laughs> well, I, w- I, I would tend to agree with you there. But, you know, I think about like the invader and the blood puking and the whole thing and, uh, you know, just those images, you know, sort of burn into my memory. So, you know, you're in Puerto Rico, you come to America, you've been going back and forth from Mexico. You, I think you even had some time in impact, if memory serves me correct. Yep, yep, yep. And Japan. So you've been basically all over the world now. And, you know, over the last 10, 15 years of your career, you've adapted in so many different ways. And I know you would probably say, yeah, that this has all made me a better wrestler. My, my my question though is, is there a specific style that you like to do that if you if if you could only do this one thing, right? This is what I would do for the rest of my life. Man, I think it would be a style between Japanese wrestling and lucha libre, like that little happy medium in between. Um, I love wrestling in Mexico, love the culture. Obviously, that's why I live here and I'm part of AAA. You know, it's, it's something that like really fills me with joy is doing these shows. But I really miss Japan and the culture and the fact that it's more like a sport and they respect you so much. And I feel like if, if I had to pick and if I could end my career in Japan, and find a happy medium between those two styles, that would be it, you know. But um, yeah, man, if I had to pick, that would be it. That little happy medium, you know, that hybrid style. Is there any Daniel Bryan? Like, I feel Daniel Bryan is the perfect wrestler. Understood. Like, Absolutely. I, he can wrestle anybody big guys, little guys, fast guys, slow guys. And, he can't have a bad match. It's just like he broke his arm. He still had a great match. It's just like, what yeah. the hell, dude? You know? Like, you know. But, you know, I, I definitely want to touch on the recent news that uh, NWA assigned a television deal. They're being a little quiet on where it's going. Uh, we don't know yet. I'm sure you don't know yet. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I know a little bit. I know a little bit. All right. Well, we won't we won't press. We don't want you to spoil anything and get in trouble with the boss. <laughs> But um, what I can say is that it's, it's going to be really cool and it's going to give a lot of people that had shots in the past not go so well, like myself. And what I mean a shot in the past is a shot at the big time, a shot at WWE, or guys that were right there and got released and guys that were close to be a star, but, you know, something happened, a little slip, and you piss someone off and piss the wrong guy off, and now you, can, you, you can't be there anymore. And I think a lot of those people, including myself, are going to have an opportunity to show what we got and show that we're not just some B-movie wrestlers, you know. And, yeah, that's all I can say. It's going to be really cool for a lot of people. Well, who did you piss off at the WWE? Because there you were, Cruiserweight Classic as an alternate, if memory serves. That was one of my favorite things that the WWE ever did. And then we saw you a few times, I think, in NXT rings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what happened there? Why did it? Was it just one day it was good and the next day it wasn't? Well, it was like one of those things where everything was going perfect. And then next thing you know, I was completely healthy. And I hurt my knee at like a show in California. I went to the doctor. They're, they clear me. They told me I was good to go. I go to the WWE doctors. They clear me. They tell me I was good to go. And I do the match and I fucking blow my knee, dude. Mm-hmm. And it sucked because at the time, you know, me after since then, like me and Mustafa Ali have like squashed all of this stuff for anybody that doesn't know. And, uh, he felt like I took something from him. Like I took that night from him because it was in Chicago at the All State Arena. We're both Chicago boys, you know. It's like we're the two alternates of the Cruiserweight Classic that a lot of people were looking forward to being at the Cruiserweight Classic. And he got to be part of it. And that match was for me to put him over and put him on the map. And he felt like I took that from him by getting hurt, you know. And, you know, immediately when we got to the back, like, he got on Adam Pierce's ear. 
you know, and God knows what he told him, you know, and that was apparently the night that I was supposed to get my, my full-time job because I had been working for WWE and NXT at that point on and off for three years because um, I lived in Florida at the time. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And, you know, it, it really, it really, it really sucked because it broke my heart, you know, because I, I felt bad because I'm like, man, I, I just screwed my boy. I tr did my best to just trash the match and make him look so good, you know, even though I, I was walking with a freaking pirate leg, like a stick leg, you know, I couldn't bend it or anything. I'm like trying to do the spots, trying to do the moves. And they're like, you guys need to get out of the ring. And I'm just trying to keep doing this so he could get hit his finish and we could go home. And uh, yeah, man, it, it sucked because I felt like I, I let my friends down, I let him down. And I let, you know, everybody that, that that was rooting for us down, you know. And I think that was, like, one of the things that happened. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to redeeming myself, you know. And I've been working my ass off to just be the best version of myself and keep working hard. I didn't let that stop me. That was six years ago now. And you know, I'm just looking forward, man, looking forward to the future. You know, uh, kind of going back to television, NWA, uh, you know, when you go to a TV tapings, of course, you give it all and you, and you do what you want and do what you can. But, you know, there's something different than YouTube and now a television contract. How does that change your mindset uh, going into this set of tapings, a pay-per-view, knowing that you're building into a television program to maybe build yourself up or throw something new out or, you know, what is the difference in mindset now? Um, it's, it definitely puts everything into a different perspective where you appreciate things way more because you know what it's like to have nothing, right? So when you come from nothing, when you get even a little bit of good news, it's a good day, you know? So I've always been, and you could ask anybody in the NWA locker room, Becky and myself, we give nobody problems. You know, we're like the easiest guys to work with. We put matches together just like that. You know, and we've actually been like filming for like six months for the stuff that's coming out. So like when they're like, okay, we're going to be filming you guys. It's like, okay, nothing changed. Just the makeup weirdos are in this corner over here. You know, and you got the, the, those, the, the XWWE guys over here, and then you got the cool guys over here, and then you got, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's scattered up in the, in the locker room. We're always in the corner where all the weirdos put their makeup on. It's, like, so funny. But nothing really changed, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, there's just a bunch of people with cameras around them, you know, filming everything that we're doing, like, weirdos. So, like, nothing, just don't act weird. Just be yourself. And I remember, like, EC3, like, He's so funny. He's such a weirdo. Like he's like, he like hits me in the shoulder and keeps walking. He's like, it's for the show, brother. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like <laughs> fucking weirdo. Like he just kept walking. You know what I mean? I'm like nothing changes. They just this. Uh, you know, like the the reality of all of this is like we need to be ourselves. You know, just be yourself. So yeah, nothing has really changed for me other than the fact that it makes me appreciate what we're doing even more well you know you've 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 wrestled on our background noise we're like recording. Uh, it's all good bro it's all good <laughs> you've had a lot of incarnations with names and you know you finally have come to this mecca wolf which i think is the best name and the hardest name and one of the best wrestling names it could be a name of a band it's it's just whatever you know i think it's you it's super thank, cool. uh, Sammy Callahan for that really <laughs> those are okay so He's a good friend of our show. So, you know, coming into that persona, was it was was it something that you were kind of working towards? Because obviously your characters are always sort of evolving over time. So but so Sammy Callahan's the one that gives you the name, correct? Mm -hmm. So how does that all come about? So um, at the time, I remember I was watching a shit ton of Game of Thrones. So <laughs> I was watching hella Game of Thrones and like I'm like, man, this these coats that these guys are wearing look so cool. And they have these like wolves on them and fur. I'm like, I'm going to get something like that. So I ordered like outfits that were like similar to these cloaks. And then I wanted to come out with a mask. And I remember I tried like a Dr. Doom mask, like all these weird masks and I spray painted them. And finally, I remember 
Sammy kept saying, and I was like, dude, you look like a werewolf and and you look like a like a like a machine. You're like a mechanical werewolf. You're you're like a mecha wolf. You should be mecha wolf John Dyer. Because my first name is John. He's like, you should be John Dyer. I'm like, I like mecha wolf, but I think it kind of sounds cheesy. You know, like and then everybody's like, it kind of sounds cheesy, you know, at first. So one day, this is the craziest story, and it's like true. We're all like in a room, you know, as, as you do, a bunch of the boys are in one of the hotel rooms gathering, talking, Sammy's on his laptop. I remember Chris Juan was there with us, the Chris brothers, a couple other people were there. And Sammy's like, hey man, can I borrow your phone? And I just like, don't even think about it. I just give him my phone, right? Next thing you know, like 30 minutes go by and Sammy has like this like evil grin and just turns his laptop around. And my Twitter said the Mecha Wolf. He made this banner with all with all these pictures that he found of me and just it looked badass. It had like a wolf and a moon and like he's like, dude, you gotta do it, you gotta do it tonight. You gotta do it tonight, tonight's a pay-per-view, you gotta do it. So I'm like, oh what the hell is this? So I call my buddy from Chicago. I'm like, hey, can you add like this wolf hound to this intro of this song? And he's like, Of course, man. And then they played it and I came out to that show. And I did the howl. And the people, like, they got into it and they start howling. And I'm like, oh, man, that was, like, such a sign of relief. Because it's like, you got to think about the fact that I worked on the same name, like, all my life. That's what I built my my whole name, you know, my whole life. And to change to that and to be able to not only adapt to that character and that gimmick, I didn't have to adapt because it was, like, a, myself, you know? Like well, that's the, myself, so it felt but cool. that's the that's the thing because you couldn't get like you couldn't give Sammy Guevara the Mecha Wolf. It just wouldn't. Tra- you'd be like, oh, cheese bag. You, you, you. It's like you live the gimmick. That's all. Thank you, thank you so much, and and that means so much because it, it again coming going back to the WWE thing when I got hurt, I thought like my career was over, and then like I remember people that were my friends, they used like my old gimmick and now they're on TV with my old gimmick, with my clothes, with my poses. And now I'm like, damn, I gotta, I gotta start from scratch and I gotta come back with something hot. So that's like, you know, watching movies and all this stuff. And that's what I came up with. And, and now I'm happy that I did it because it's like myself, you know, so. You know, uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast. I know we're down to our final questions each and, uh, after listening to that story, and we like to talk a lot about the creative aspect of putting a character together and, and hearing that a lot of it is you, when you're going forward now, I'm going to guess, you know, the Sammy thing happened, what, 2017, 2018, uh, when you mentioned the guys and the players involved, mm-hmm. and the Chris brothers together, that's about that period. circus time, yeah, around yeah. there. So now you're, you know, several years in past coronavirus and all this stuff. How do you approach the creative aspect now to this character that is so tied to who you are? Well, right now we are with Vampiros, our manager in the NWA. And Vampiros, like one of my big inspirations from wrestling. Don't tell him that because he gets cocky. Oh, we won't. Um, Trust us. And you know that he was very inspired by the band The Misfits. The Misfits is like one of my favorite bands of all time. So I take a lot of my influence in my character now, as far as the makeup and like the phrases and stuff like that, and like the catchphrases and little spooky things that we say. I base it a lot on bands that I love and like because people in wrestling just copy people in wrestling. I like to take stuff from bands or shows or comic books that, that, that I'm really into. And I was like, what the hell? We're with Vampiro, dude. Might as well just kind of like to tweak a couple of things from the Misfits look and make it our own and kind of have a new version of us of Lab Rebellion, not too far away from who we are, but a little bit more edgy into this like little punk rock Misfits style. And it fits because, you know, my band Monster Wolf, we've opened for Doyle of the Misfits a bunch of times we played with them on the whiskey gogo we played with them here in mexico and um it's just really cool and for all those nwa fans that are going to be tuning into nwa saw when october 28th we have a very special very special surprise that has to do with horror business i'm not going to say anything else 
Okay, cool. Well, for my <laughs> last, I can't wait. For my for my last question, I guess you know, being in this tag team and working with a guy like Kerry Morton, you know, it, it, it is. What is that all like for you guys? You know, because here's a, kind of a you know fourth generation wrestler. Yeah, I think he's one of the most talented in the company. One of the most talented young guys in the world. You're a little obviously a little older. Mm-hmm. What's it like working with him? Man, I think it's just amazing because watching him grow from when he first came to the NWA to what he's doing now, it's like he's grown like five years in, in two. It's just crazy to see that because when I came along, when I was his age, I sucked. I thought I was good. I thought I was good, but I sucked. And I sucked because I didn't have the right people around me, and he does. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he takes advice from everybody. Carries. that's one thing about him. He's really a really humble kid, and that's what's going to take him really far because not only is he humble, he knows he's good, but he doesn't use that against everybody else or to his advantage. And that's what I respect the most about Kerry because he's somebody that knows who he is that should be, like, walking with his chest, like, high up in the air, you know, with his nose high, high up in the air. But he's, like, one of the really good brothers in the locker room. Cool. And I wish we had, like, ten of them because he's so freaking awesome. And he's a great party guy to take out and party. So awesome. <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good side character, too. That's cool. Nice. I know we mentioned it a few times, October 28th, Cleveland, Ohio, pay-per-view. Make sure you go out and get it. The NWA is doing phenomenal stuff. November 4th, Skyway Studio, Nashville, television tapings. November 18th, make sure you get your tickets to all that stuff. Mech, where can people find you, your music, all that other stuff that you've got so many fingers and pots and pans just making tons of money for us all? Jack of all trades. Yeah. Of none, but at least I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram, it's the easiest way. Mechawolf, switch the A for a V, and you make it super true, like black metal, bro. <laughs> and then Monster Wolf Band on Instagram. There you go. Hey, listen, uh, you're in the studio. You're rocking it out right now. Thank you for taking a few minutes away, talking some wrestling, your career with us. We uh, totally appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, honestly, like it's a big honor. Keep rocking, guys. I'll see you guys soon. Because of me, right? Once again, of course, me. Of course. Yeah. You're the coolest guy here. I'm your fourth favorite wrestling podcaster. <laughs> you might be number two right now. I'll take it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Mech, man, have a great night. You guys. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.